0: Hello, and welcome to the Tennis with an Accent podcast, where we talk about tennis by connecting the present of the sport with its storied past, be it the nuanced unpacking of the individual stories, long-form interviews, or the detailed tour-level analysis we have you covered.
1: Hello everyone, this is Saqib, welcoming you back to another episode of Tennis with an Accent. Today we have podcast good supporter and good friend Nick Lester, taking time off from busy schedule, joining us for a quick chat. So, without wasting any time, let me welcome Nick here. Hey, Nick, how are you, Zakib? I'm very well. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's been a while since we last spoke, and there's a lot of water under the bridge. So, I'm going to start with Yannick Sinner uh, because uh, you know we live in an age where we are constantly, especially content creators like me. You're a professional, but you know we all feel obliged to the to do these comparisons, and that's what the sport is about. So, what is the Sinner trajectory for you? He's won seven titles. Uh, yet to make a semi-final at a major. Works for Darren Cahill. So, what is your larger scouting report, and how's the trajectory been for the last few years?
0: I mean, I think the obvious improvement for Yannick Sin has been on the surf for me, Sakim. I mean, if you look back, sort of eighteen months or so ago, it's it's a completely different motion uh, now to what it was. It's a, it's a significantly more potent motion these days than it once was. I, I think he's able to get himself out of some tight spots uh, with a lot more ease these days because of the quality of the serve. So that's been the one shot I think in his game that has uh, probably come on more than anything else. It was something, you know, when we looked at him a couple of years ago, probably even when he made the final in Miami, to be honest, he wasn't getting as much purchase out of that particular shot. Um, The other side of his game that clearly was a little bit of a problem last year was the physical side. He, he His body kept breaking down, and I know that was a really big focus of attention for them. They changed a lot of things behind the scene, not just the coaching side. They changed a lot of things behind the scene physically for for Sinner to try and find a way to keep him healthy. Obviously, it didn't start that year particularly well in Adelaide. He had some problems there. But, you know, he. I think the difficulty in this sport is that some players – are just going to be more injury-prone than others. Uh, that's a fact of the matter. And in many ways, that comes from genetics. That's, it's not you can do all you can to put everything in place to to protect the body, and, and that obviously happens a lot. But there are sometimes genetically just bodies that break down a little more often than others. And I think it's, it's you know, Sinner perhaps has been one of those players. So uh, trajectory, obviously going in the right direction significantly. Um, really good week, couple of weeks that he's got under his belt. Um, indoors in Europe, where conditions are obviously a little bit quicker, um, yeah, and, and, a, and a lot to take from a from a good start to the year.
1: Right, nice. so that's very interesting food for thought. And about genetics and how players develop. So you think at 21 uh, age and 21 plus, you think he's still coming into his own for his body size, or you think that's you know uh, like getting used to what his limitations are? Because I was talking to a few friends and I had the same thing. The biggest concern is you know, the the niggle he picks up every now and then. It's not to say that, you know, his team is not working on it, but that was the observation from far. Like there's a lot of unfinished business. There were were more than few matches. Even the match against Holger Runa last year in Sofia Bulgaria, he just couldn't finish. So you think uh, a player, a world-class player, using him as an example, you -hmm. think they could still come into their own, like in 21-22, get the measure of their body, and then the outcome is yet to come? Yeah. full potential?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, you're certainly not physically uh, mature at 21 as, you know, some, some players probably are a little more than others. I think, you know, it depends on, again, on your, you know, you look at Borna Chorich, age 16. I mean, the guy was like 35 year old. So yeah, a lot of it comes down to, to DNA, as I say, you, you know, how your, your makeup, physical makeup is, but he's obviously a much taller frame is uh, thinner and working to kind of become a more robust body. Something that Zverev obviously did tremendously well with Jez Green. I think that was the blueprint for for the work they did in the early days in terms of getting him, uh, you know, physically strong. Um, and, and, and until last year, he'd remained relatively injury free. So. Difficult one, but I think Yannick, um, it, it's it's as much about recovering from long matches, isn't it? That was the problem for him last year. You know, he had a, quite a few sort of long, deep matches in quarterfinals where he came up just short or he was able to to win one in the round of 16 that was sort of three hours and then the body broke down. Miami, it happened in Miami, didn't it? Similar story there. So, um, yeah, I, I do think he, there is time on his side, definitely. I, I think he will definitely become hopeful. Fully, uh a stronger athlete because the, you know, there's no doubt the game is there, isn't it? That's, that's, that's been fairly obvious to see. He's obviously trying to add some layers to his game, but you know, he's in terms of raw materials of his tennis, for me, there's no doubt. He's, you know, he's top five material.
1: Absolutely. I think we are all on the same page. So look, the conversation gets a little bit nuanced and uh, especially if you, and someone like, you know, in my case, if you do a podcast, you kind of look at these things from a very, you know, narrow lens and try to cover everything. So the other thing is he lost, I think, three quarterfinals at majors and uh, all in five sets blow a two set lead against the great Novak Djokovic at Wimbledon, then that match against Alcaraz and now uh, he came short against pass So is this, obviously it's knocking the right door. I mean, we know like one set here and there and we, we, he possibly could have gone to play a major final. So does that trend bother you or that's like the right direction, like the game is there when you see someone like him because the other obvious constant comparison is Alcaraz because his rise has been, you know, super fast. So these two are like clubbed together, like every generation has a couple of players and there could be more names added to this. But right now the center trajectory really cannot escape the Alcaraz comparison. And the larger question is, if he doesn't make the semis in the remaining three slams, again, hypothetical going far into the year, uh, mm-hmm. you think there's any need for the conversation to get louder or still like you said he has time and we had, we have to look at the progress sometime the scores and result doesn't highlight
0: I think it's very difficult I think it's an easy trap to get into to be honest with you of making comparisons in in this sport and I think that's a dangerous one at times for players I, I know just from speaking to people behind the scenes that Sinner and Alcaraz are are two very good friends they're they're very close. Um, I think if you look at crisis trajectory last year, it was it was nothing short of remarkable. So I think you know if we're putting him up as the sort of the benchmark for for what others, the likes of Cinera are due to achieve, then. I think it's almost a little bit unrealistic, to be honest. I have no concerns in my money that for Yannick Sinner losing those quarterfinals last year, you know. And again, you look at the Tsitsipas match, and as you so rightly said, it could have been a point here or there. The, the serving in the fifth set from Tsitsipas in that match was electrifying. I mean, he was on fire and that fifth set on serve, and that was just one of those ma- one of those matches. For me, I don't think it's a worrying pattern. I think he's going to be just fine i think you know it's it's gaining more experience he's still only 21 as we keep reminding ourselves um and i think to be honest actually in many ways the the, the sort of the 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 runs that he's had to the last eight are only going to provide more fuel for him i think to get better and better so Honestly, I see absolutely no concerns for me in Yannick Sinner. The only worry I have is, as I say, just the physical side because if he can just get himself stronger um, so he is able to keep himself uh, physically able deep in the second week in majors, then that's obviously going to be a game-changer, I think. But tennis-wise, uh, mentally, I have no concerns.
1: Sure. So let's uh, elaborate this conversation at the top of the men's game. So if we divide the top into two circles, say like the inner circle or call it tier one it's clearly Novak, uh, Rafa uh, I'll throw Medvedev in there Karaz. and some may argue but I'll also throw Sisi Pasin and you can have your different view. But the outer circle, you know, where the Zverevs and uh, Sinners and different generations, Beratini, are stuck so do you see it similarly? There's like the, the group that has to still break in and some will say Zverev has already broken in but I'm talking about slams as a measure. So yep. the, the the slightly tier that's below the top tier is getting bigger for different reasons. And that's a very healthy sign for the sport. But the occupancy is still going through Novak and Rafa. Now Alcaraz is also in the mix. So how do you see the two circles? Does the circle have a different name in the inner and outer than what I said? Or uh, do you see it similarly?
0: I mean, I think if we're talking about the four majors, um, I still think it's fairly clear that that Djokovic's best is still considerably better than everybody else's right now, maybe outside of Alcaraz until they meet at a major and until both players bring their best. I think that would be a fascinating matchup, and and that's one that obviously people are looking forward to seeing. So I would definitely be having Alcaraz in the conversation at at, at all the majors, maybe outside of Wimbledon at the moment. But uh, Djokovic, for me, is still head and shoulders um, above everybody else just in terms of his base level of play, the consistency with which he can bring and of course the everything else that comes with that there are I, I listen I don't think it's a huge secret that there are holes in some of those players games that you have mentioned and and I don't you know we've, we I have this conversation a lot about the top 10 now compared to the top 10 maybe 10 15 years ago and and for my money um I think it was a stronger top 10 uh, a decade ago, I really do. I think you go back and look at the top ten in, in terms of just the the depth there, in terms of the. And I'm talking about their games overall. I believe right now, um, and and I'm um, you know you're looking at Tsitsipas, you're looking at Rude, we're looking at Rublev, Fritz, we're looking at Felix. They are, of course, they're tremendous players, but uh, but I, I'm not sure that I still think you know each of those players um, in terms of maintaining their highest level perhaps for me, is not quite, I, I wouldn't necessarily put them uh, uh, next to the guys from 10 years ago. And I'm talking about someone like a Ferrer, in terms of the consistency with which Ferrer played his tennis. You know, very few let-ups in, in, in Ferrer. I know Sid Spass won a lot of matches last year, but that, for me, that, that, that group, um, when I look at that top 10 and I'm taking away the top four, um, I, yeah, I, I still think there, there are days where those guys don't necessarily the current generation um, for me still have a few vulnerabilities in their game that maybe wasn't there um, with that group as I mentioned you know 10-15 years ago.
1: No you're absolutely right and let me make a clarification I think Novak should be in a tier by himself because like you said if he's playing close to his best not even his absolute best I think he's the man to beat in almost any tennis match. So, the other question here is with Rafa Nadal's, you know, the body and the injuries catching up. But at the same time, we have to take our, you know, we have to remind ourselves he did win two majors last year. So, uh, again, very talked about topic. Where would you put him right now in the scenario? Of course, the clay season is a couple months away. What's your take on that situation?
0: My take is that no one is quite sure how fit he is at the moment. Um, There are some obviously rumors circulating that he's not going to be in North America in terms of playing Indian Wells. So uh, we've been in this sport too long and yes, he may be 37 soon Uh, for me. I still think I would never rule him out. If he can get a good run on the clay, if he can go into Monte Carlo healthy, if he does skip the North American swing, which is a possibility, I believe if he comes back for, for Monte Carlo, I'd still have to have him as a as a favourite for Roland Garros if he can get a good swing in coming to the French opener. You know, again, you cannot you cannot just deny and look away from everything he's achieved there and that extraordinary, uh, mind blowing record that he has at the French. So uh, it's an unknown. It's an unknown, Saki, but I think it's a very difficult question to answer until we until we actually know where he's at physically. Um, but just looking at the situation right now, I certainly wouldn't be massively surprised. Um, if he didn't play in North America, because I don't think he's going to play Miami. So anyway, so does he go to Indian Wells for for 10 days of tennis? Um, I would probably think that's unlikely right now, but, but maybe get himself healthy for Monte Carlo. And, and, you know, we've seen before if Monte Carlo doesn't go particularly well, he has had years where that's, it's been a bit of a slow start to the clay. He has the ability to pick things up. So uh, it's, it's a difficult question to answer without knowing exactly where he's at. But I think, I would still be very reluctant to to not have him as a favorite going into the French.
1: Yeah, that's the man's resume. You know, you pick against him at, at your own peril. But the the excellent point you made about Ferrer and that group, and I'll even throw a few names that you didn't take, but they were there, like Birdie and uh, Songa. And you're right. I mean, if you look at this top ten, especially the names you took, like Fritz and uh, Yassim and Rude has two finals. I think uh, the comparison is a bit uh, lopsided because those guys have already made their mark consistently at the 1,000 at majors. And, and of course, they were the support cast to to the big four. So definitely, um, and my point was, the change is on the horizon, right? It's still Novak's time and Rafa's still in the mix, but there are a lot of players from 25 uh, years old and younger that they're all like waiting for their moment. So I think it's getting kind of crowded there. So from that note, let's take a, look at what Felix Ogielisim has been able to do according to you and what's a Leicester report card again it's not a stock to sell by any means but uh, where are the certain improvements in terms of results that you are looking for or again he too has a lot of time on his hand that's the mantra I learned from you and I always use that you know the sport has gotten older so all these guys have a lot of time but how do you assess Felix Ogielisim?
0: I mean again I, I think the initial thought on Felix is that I love his attitude. He is a guy that is all in on this sport. You know, I, you know, I often have conversations and I've had a lot of discussions with 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 coaches at the highest level on players on on details, and and I think Felix is a guy who is. Tennis is his absolute number one priority. Everything in his life, it revolves around how he can be the very best player he can be. And to me, when I look at that, I always know when I see Felix play that he will get the best out of himself. We actually did a match of his yesterday. I don't know how, if you saw any of it, but in Doha, he really struggled in the first set. Uh, but his attitude was so spot on. He didn't get down. You know, there were some players I've watched over the years that would change conditions from indoors to outdoors. And they'd lose the first set and they would they would just they wouldn't find a way to win. But he found a way to win yesterday. And I think that speaks a lot to 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 where he's at in his game. Um outdoor conditions, obviously. You look at his win loss record, Sakib. but it's still a lot better indoors. Obviously, after the wins he had last year, I think it's a ten percent difference. So he'll want to do well. Indian Wells and Miami are big weeks for him. He's not played that well in either of those tournaments over the years um the back end is obviously a shot that is improving he's using the slice a lot more these days i think we're seeing him bring that variety to the court um the return of serve is it's become a more potent shot the serve's always going to be good it's it's always going to be good the second serve is a serve that perhaps still could do with a little bit more kick at times a little bit more spin just to control it so i think that's an area of his game that he needs to work on um but for me, when I look at Felix, I just know that he's going to be a maximizer. He's going to be a guy that is, when you look at him play, he's going to get everything he can out of his tennis. And I think, you know, I think I have great admiration for the players that are out there that can do that.
1: No, absolutely. You know, everyone on this you know tour is working incredibly hard, but Ogiali seems seems to be like that kind of a poster boy that he's not leaving any stone unturned. So I'm going to just uh, do a quick segue here. Uh, a famous Agassi quote about, Spadia from years ago was uh, tours run by performance, not by potential. So, and that's like a bar stool conversation. But I'm going to use two examples. Uh, you know, Karen Hachanov and Denis Shapovalov. I'm not yep. saying Hachanov is not talented, but my yep. definition of talent is Shapo. And yep. I don't know what the Leicester playbook says. So, how do you measure the two attributes of the game? And do you think the game is at a position where a supremely inconsistent player like Shapovalov? Basically, can the lightning strike and can we see him lift something big? Because he's, we all know what he has, but we all also know how his matches turn out. But then there is a Karen Hachanov, who's kind of fallen off the radar, but you look at the results, he's making these inroads at majors, Olympics, silver medal. His name keeps coming up, even though he's the forgotten man, even of Russian tennis. So how do you break down the two attributes using these examples or throw in any other name you may like?
0: I mean, I think the thing, you know, I, I spoke to a lot of people in Australia this year um, who I respected in this sport. And the a recurring theme on Shapovalov was that he should be top 10 without, almost with his eyes closed. It, just in terms of the quality of the tennis that he can produce, Sakib. Um, the guy has so many tools that are so uh dangerous on court but he, at the moment he's not using them and he's not he's not giving himself enough chances to win tennis matches he is in many ways frustratingly i think for him just somewhat the architect of his own downfall and i think until he can look at things um and try and work out a way to just rein things in just to just to to win on he, on his bad days because that is ultimately what it's about for him you know he gets a little frustrated when players are making a few extra balls. We've seen it. We can all see it. We, you know we, we know the way he plays. So to to me, and and I have to say I agree with the voices that I've spoken to. He is he's a sleeper in many ways. Shapovalov. He's a guy who should be doing a lot better than he is. But at the moment, um, for various reasons, just isn't his tennis isn't allowing him to do that. So I hope he can get it together. Um, am I convinced he will? No, I'm not. Um, I was, to be honest, I was actually kind of hoping that what Felix did last year might kind of just spur him on, might provide a, an incentive for him to, to look at Felix. Obviously, they're very close and, and try and really sort of uh, attain the levels that Felix has done. But they are two different personalities. They're, they're two very different people and, um, on court. I mean, and I think, you know, Dennis has got to learn to win on his bad days ultimately. And if he can't do that, he's going to continue to struggle.
1: Is he a throwback player? Like, again, I know this is a redundant tape that you hear everywhere that sport is homogenized, athletes are fit, the rally tolerance is much better than used to. Do you think he's a throwback player? He could have snuck a slam, like, say, in the 90s or even early 2000s before the rise of Federer. Is he that kind of talent? Because the overall standard baseline of the tour, and again, I may get a lot of hate (laughs) from my fellow age group, but looks like you can't make errors and win in this era. In the previous era, you'll have, like, the some of the flamboyant players find you know uh, two weeks of glory, in which for Shapovalov it's very hard to even find one week of a glory uh, in this era. Yeah,
0: I think you you know I think if you look at Shapovalov's CV, he's won one tournament. sakib he's won one ATP tour tournament that was Stockholm three or four years ago, and that's and I know that's something that his coaches have talked to him about in terms of just winning a bit more. I think to answer your question directly, uh, hard to say. I, I I don't know. I mean. You know, we both know that the athleticism in tennis has gone through the roof in the last 20 years. So players move a lot better these days. So therefore, are they getting more balls back? Probably. Um, but, you know, he's just got to learn to build points because his serve and forehand and his second serve and forehand are, when you put them in isolation, they're probably some of the biggest shots in men's tennis. Um but it's a lot more than that, isn't it? It's a lot more than that. It's how you deal with the wind. It's how you deal with the conditions when things aren't going well. It's how you it's how you deal with adversity, and and ultimately, it's about how you you know tennis is really a sport where it's, it's about playing well under pressure. And I'm not sure Shapovalov has enough of the tools at the moment to to allow himself to play well, be when things aren't going badly, but also to play within himself because. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's a tough watch sometimes, isn't it? I think we've all, we've all been there and done that. I'm not to say he's not going to have good weeks because he still has good weeks, but uh, he's in, I think, confidence at the moment in his game probably is a, is a, is a little lower than he'd like it to be.
1: All right, so let's wrap this up, last few minutes. Uh, you, 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 you know, you cover tennis on a weekly basis. Any name or any names that have captured your imagination, someone who's improved a lot in the last you know, year or so, even few months, uh in your you know calling of their matches or overall landscape of the tour that's sitting below the top 20
0: very interested to see how francis tiafo plays this year i mean i got everything pretty much uh i think in terms of what he's been able to do obviously improvements in the serve have been huge um i love what francis brings to a court i'm sure we most of us do in terms of how engaging he is um I think other players, Tommy Paul, similar story. Obviously, a good start to the year. Talon Greek Sport, someone I've watched a lot of, and I know has invested a lot of money in his tennis. I was, we were having some discussions last week with Yako Elting uh, on Rotterdam, and Yako was telling us just how much uh, money he's invested in his own game. Greek Sport, very big, big game. I think he's he's top twenty-five material. So look out for Greek Sport. Probably should have beaten Rublev yesterday. Coming up, just short. So someone that is there. that's that's looking to try and improve. Um, You know, I think he's 40 in the world this week, started obviously outside the top 100. Uh, And, you know, purely from a, from a personal perspective, I think Jack Draper's got a, got a a very healthy future, but, Again, it goes back to the conversation we had earlier on. Jack is, at the moment, just suffering a few physical problems. And I think the slight concern, hopefully it's no concern, but hopefully he can he can find a way to get 100% fit for longer periods of the time. I know he's worked really hard. He's got a new fitness trainer. Uh, they've hired at the end of last year to, to try and build that body. Um, but Jack, I think, is definitely someone I see being a top 15, maybe, well, probably a top 10 player, to be honest. Uh so there's you know three or four names in, in the frame. Um Brandon Nakashima, slightly quiet start to the year, but again, a guy who when you look at what he has, um the forehand probably is obviously still a little bit weaker, but you know, when you look at the serve and the backhand, they are they are some wonderful a- attributes that he has to try and move ahead. So there's a few names there. Um sure. not haven't mentioned Yuri Lehechka, obviously very much like his game. You know, again it's obvious to say it when he's made the quarterfinals of Australia but I think even saw him last year in Rotterdam got one of the best backhands I've seen for a young player um and you know they're the sorts of they're the sorts of guys I think that are going to be you know making some progress this season.
1: Hi. so you said something about Elting saying uh Greeks were making big investments so just elaborate on that you know how important is that because I spoke to someone who's uh, working on the Challenger tour and the word sponsor and federation money keeps coming up so if you want to talk about in a larger scale and that should be that should wrap this conversation up like Greek sport making an, an investment what does that even mean in this sport to succeed
0: well, I mean, I think it's hiring a full time phys- He's had a full time, Talon's had a full time uh, physical trainer traveling with him now for, I think, over a year. In fact, first two months of this year when he won in Pune, he actually had a physical trainer with him the the whole time. He didn't have a coach. So, you know, they're the sorts of things that, you know, you, you're just adding to your team. You're just making sure that you, the details are being taken care of a little more often off the court. I mean, you look at Talon, he's a huge guy. He's a, phys- he's a physically imposing guy. He hits a, he hits a, crushes the ball off both sides. So, um, that's what I mean by that. I I, I know the Dutch Tennis Federation, Yako and Paul Harhus have done a lot of good work behind the scenes. They've changed the culture in many ways over the last sort of four or five years since they've been in charge. Uh, it's 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 been a lot more about players taking responsibility for themselves. They, you know, they will be there for them, but they will certainly not be giving handouts to players. Um, Talon is a little more fortunate from what I hear in that he's 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 got some family money behind him, which which obviously helps, but you know when you're winning obviously ATP tour events he's making some good money these days he's top 40 in the world so it's about how you put you know how much do you want to improve how much do you where do you want to be and you know that becomes that takes a lot of personal investment you have to be willing to do that so it's it's obviously a personal choice you know as as you know it's it's a lot of money these days to to hire and fire these guys but there's there's a lot more money in the sport so if you can get yourself in the top 100 it's available to you and it's then about how much how much you want to invest in yourself um, to try and keep improving.
1: And that's a perfect way to you know end this podcast. And there's a lot of food for thought on the Greek, Greek sport information that you shared with the listeners here. Nick, always a pleasure and so much knowledge. And hopefully we can do this again uh, when you know you, you have more time on your hands right now. I know you accommodated me through a busy schedule. Much appreciated. And look forward to you calling out more matches.
0: Pleasure, second.